It's just been great to be here. Isn't it great? We were back praying earlier, and it was good to pray. I, I just, these are moments that are precious because they're going somewhere. For some of you, this may feel like, like we're, we're at some sort of apex, and we are, uh, for this week. You know, we're, we're getting there. By the time we're done tonight, we're halfway. It's hard to believe that. Um, but the reality is this is really just getting us started. It's just getting us a little traction because God has brought us all together. He's assembled us. He's laying a foundation so that we can go forth and accomplish the mission of God. And the cool thing about this particular conference is that it's not about, it's not about, see, it's not really about all-star preachers because that's why they have me speak. It's about, it's about disciplers, right? It's about the, the, the rank and file folk. Right, And like Greg was saying tonight, whether you, you want the high school education, the elementary education, it's really up to you, but it's up to you. right? That's how battles get won. And last night we talked about there is a war for worship, and we're engaged in it. And so I'm just glad. I'm glad for Oakland Heights Baptist Church hosting this. Amen? Yeah. And thank you, Joe. It's just been great. Your hospitality and, and uh, Debbie, it's been good. To, she's a hostess. I mean, she's like everywhere. She's like, where's Waldo? I'm over here. She's got food. I'm over there. She's got food. And it's like, she's the Holy Spirit of hosting. So uh, she's omnipresent. Uh, so that's kind of cool. I'm like, I didn't expect you to be at the restaurant place. But, so uh, anyway, um, if you have your Bibles, I got to get started because we got to get done. Joshua chapter one. So we're examining the four goals of discipleship, and maybe you wandered in tonight, and you're like, what is all this about? Uh, four goals are, of, are, are just basic goals that we're trying to establish when we're establishing, the word heavily emphasis on establish, just getting started, getting people started in their relationship with the Word of God. Uh, we talked last night about establishing uh, folks in worship, right? That's the focus of our life. Tonight we're going to talk about establishing uh, folks in the Word of God, which is the authority of our life. We'll talk about that. And then tomorrow we'll be talking about the local church, which is the context of our life, and then ministry, which is the purpose of our life. So when we finish tonight, we're halfway done, as I've said. So last night we focused on this discussion of the focus of our life. And what is the focus of our life? Worship. Yeah, one of us got it. Amen. Was that James or was that Daniel? It's Daniel. Yeah. And James, he's so cool. I was like watching him preach the other day, or no, sing, because I was a preacher. So <laughs> he just impacted my life. He walks up to the pulpit to do announcements, and he slings his guitar around, and I'm like, that is cool. <laughs> I mean, he just like, I was like, man, when I, when I grow up, I'm going to grab a guitar. Where's that thing at? I just want to walk up with a guitar on and start preaching, man. It just looks, looks like you're doing something. That has nothing to do with the message, but, uh, and it's not the focus of my life, but uh, it does, is associated kind of with worship, so uh, praise the Lord. But uh, worship is very personal, right? It's deeply personal. We talked about that uh, yesterday, and it's also relational. So we like to, you know, there's people that say, well, I, I just worship, it's real personal, but it's obviously our, our personal relationship with the Lord and our worship affects our relationships, right? So it's not just personal, it's relational. And uh, in our relationships, a lot of people like to get into all the touchy-feely stuff. Well, that's where, that's where it happens. In our relationship with God, our relationship with people, that's why we fulfill right, the, the great commandment. We love God and we love others. And that's not just hyperbole. Uh, there's a great depth of meaning and truth in that. So we talked about that last night. And we also saw that worship is directional. We looked at Abraham and how uh, God was taking Abraham and Isaac somewhere. And he's taking us somewhere too. Amen. You're born again, you're going to heaven. But while you're here, you're making disciples. Pastor Joe says that, right? I love you guys. I love you more in heaven, right? And, uh, and I don't know how you say that, but it sounds good. I love God more in heaven. I love you more in heaven. But right now, right, we got to make disciples. That's what we're doing. And so uh, God's taking us somewhere. But it is worship is a part of it, right? Going those places we don't like to go necessarily, but we do it. Why? Because we know there's people there that need the water of God's word. So we talked about that, and we talked about the need to... Uh, how worship is powerful and how God uh, ultimately multiplies, right? So we talked about how that Philippian jailer was one, just that one man. But later on, just a a few years later, there was multiple pastors and deacons in Philippi. How God did this work of not just addition, but multiplication, 
right? And that happens as well through discipleship. So tonight, uh, as, we're, as you're thinking about the next uh, step here, we're talking about establishing the disciple in the Word of God. And I believe uh, it's fitting uh, today as we're, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 1. And, uh, and before I read the text, I'll remind you that it is March 13th. 13 in the Bible is the number of rebellion. And uh, I pray nobody rebels against the Lord today. Um, but we live in a time so, somewhat like the time of Judges. Where people just do what they want to do. And that is not how you win a war. That's not how you get, get any traction with God. It's a time where there's no king in Israel and every man does that which is right in their own eyes. And if we really, really, truly allow the word of God to be the authority of our life, you know what's going to happen is we'll see fruit, much fruit, and fruit that remains. John 15 is what God wants for our life. But the reality is oftentimes we don't have what God wants for our life because we won't submit to his authority. When we talk about the word of God being the authority for our life, that implies, conversely, what? We have to be submissive to the word of God. And just like worship, right, if we as disciples, because we all fashion ourselves to be the grown-ups, even if you're a baby, then if we fashion ourselves to be the mature ones, then we also have to be in submission because we're going to reproduce what we are. And we certainly don't want to reproduce rebellion because rebellion is what caused that war of worship that we talked about yesterday. And so this is a very important point, and they, and they, are, uh, they dovetail together. Joshua waited 40 years to enter the Promised Land. Because 10 of the 12 spies in Numbers 13 didn't want to go. They didn't want to recognize what? The word of God. They could recognize the giants clear as a bell. But the word of God was not the focus of their life. It wasn't the authority. When it came right down to it, only two of the spies had the word of God as the focus and the authority in their life. You know who they were. They were Joshua and Caleb. And so Joshua gets a word from God. He's had to wait a long time for this. I mean, he is finally, I heard a testimony today. A young man's like, man, I'm 28 years old and I've been discipled. Man, I can't believe how long it took me to get to the place where I could grab hold of the word of God. Similar to the testimony we just heard. And man, it makes me thankful that I got saved and discipled right away. Before I even knew I was being discipled, I was being discipled. And then I got thrown into a greenhouse of discipleship. And man, if you're in this church or one of the churches that's like-minded and these are little greenhouses or big greenhouses of incubation, man, you need to to seize hold of every bit of it because God has providentially put you there for such a time as this. And don't let a word of God fall to the ground. Don't let it happen else you'll find yourself in the time of Judges. But if you want to turn it around, and I'm not just talking about personal discipleship, I'm talking about all of us tonight. If we want to turn this thing around, and you're like, well, I know what time it is dispensationally. I know that too. Jesus is coming, and our church, the church age is going to be judged for what we don't do. But listen, we don't have to submit to that part. Let's do our part. Let's make disciples faithfully till Jesus comes. Can we do that? Will we do that? Well, we'll do that if we don't let the word fall to the ground because what turned it around for Israel was a man named Samuel. A boy named Samuel. Wasn't even a man who wouldn't let, a piece, let the word fall to the ground. And it was his authority. And then God had that man anoint another man. And you know the rest how it went. And within one generation, it went from the times of Judges to the time where there was a king in Israel. They had to go through Saul first. Beloved, dispensationally, even we're at the door. There's coming an Antichrist, and then there's the Christ. Let us be like Samuel. And let not a word fall to the ground. That'll reflect our submissive attitude. That'll reflect the authority in our life. I think I could just say amen. Maybe we should. But we're going to read Joshua chapter 1. Because Joshua was getting ready to enter the promised land. You guys know the deal, and he's a picture of Christ. His name means Jesus, or is Jesus, I should say. And in verse 7, Joshua chapter 1, verse 7, after the death of Moses, of course, in verse 1, we come down to verse 7, and I don't have time to read all this stuff, so I'm just going to get to verse 7 and 8. 
He says, only thou, word comes from God, only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then shalt thou make thy way prosperous and then shalt thou have good success. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. There is no other place to prosper or have success. And Lord, I pray that in the lives of every saint that the word of God would dwell in them richly in all wisdom. And Lord, that we would uh, simply submit to your word, obey your word. And Lord, that you would bless your word in, in, in through our lives with fruit much fruit, and fruit that remains. We just thank you and we ask this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. So, if Exodus and the Passover is a picture of your salvation, and it is, and Joshua and establishing the nation of Israel in the Promised Land is a picture of how we uh, go about claiming our spiritual inheritance, and it is, before the Jordan is crossed, before the sword is unsheathed, God wants to remind Joshua of the importance of the preeminence and authority of the Word of God. That's a cool sound effect. (laughs) So, you can hit that button at the right moment. So, So we cannot expect success, right, in the work of God without the dependence upon the Word of God. We can't speak of authority of the Word of God without speaking of submission to the Word of God. So we cannot express success managing the blessing of our salvation without the instruction and application of the Word of God. So when we serve any other authority, whether it's fear, uh, some imagination, because there's some giant in our way, too severe to, to defeat, or some Babylonian-ish garment, I don't know how to say that, right? Babylonian-ish garment, right, hidden in the tent floor, it'll, it'll stop the floor of progress right now. What happens is, what, we undermine God's authority, we hinder the mission, and I'm sure no one here tonight wants to hinder God's power in our church, from the pastors down to whoever just got saved last week. Man, we want the power of God to reside on our lives, on our churches. We want to see forward progress. We want to see God's mission accomplished for His church. We want to see souls saved. We want to see churches uh, become gloriously fruitful for God's honor and glory because we we want to see the King and we want to to give Him honor and praise and everything that, that He blesses us with is just what we give back to Him when we get to eternity. And it's, it's like, yes, Lord, thank you. So we got to get into the message here. The message is point one. The Word of God is the foundation of of our faith. God's word is the authority of our life. It's the foundation of our faith. And I'm not going to say anything now that you don't know. You already know this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Right? The word laid the foundation of the earth and spoke everything into existence. What are you talking about, Brian? I mean the word, right? You know John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word laid the foundations. I mean, the Word created everything, brought everything into existence. The Word is our creator. Right? The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So the Word is the one who authorizes our salvation. And not in a Calvinistic way. Right? When we call upon the name of the Lord, we're saved. But the Word authorizes our ministry. He initiates it. He authorizes it. The Word is the one who is in the Godhead, right? The Word, these three are one. 1 John 5, 7. The Father, the Word, the Spirit. And that verse is in your Bible. The Word will return in glory with all authority over heaven and earth. Revelation nineteen thirteen. I just listed for you several places where the word is a proper pronoun, right? He is the word. He's the foundation of everything. And you guys know that. That's amen, amen, amen. 
Now, if the, our foundation is not Christ, then you're not biblically born again. You're not a Christian. He's got to be our foundation. So, many times you've heard people say there's a crack in your foundation, but this is the problem with that. If Jesus Christ is your foundation, there's no cracks. It's what we're building upon the foundation. You ever looked at a foundation? Maybe in some older homes, uh, they're kind of cool to look at because they put rocks together or whatever, but typically in contemporary culture, you look at a foundation, you're like, and that's ugly, that's concrete, let's paint it. I mean, there's really nothing sexy about a foundation. It just looks, it's like, ooh, we need to do something with this. I had a house one time and. Uh, one of my first houses, they never painted the foundation. And I couldn't wait to paint my foundation. Just that gray concrete was bugging me against the contrast of the siding. It's just like, man, we got to do something. You're like, what does that got to do with anything? You know, really, foundations aren't thought much about until something goes wrong with them. If you all have ever experienced a foundation problem, you know that's a big deal. Because everything else sitting on top of that foundation... Ain't worth much. When I was buying my house in Harrisonville, I was looking around. You know what I was always looking at? It wasn't all the nice stuff on top. It was the foundation. We, we have a lot of clay and a lot of water, so it'll pop the walls and do different stuff. I'm like, man, I want a good, solid foundation. Why? Because then you can build something on it. And beloved, we've got the Word of God. We've got the foundation of our faith. We have the Word of God. We've got something to build upon. That's why we're talking about discipleship, because we're not hung up in questioning God's Word all day long. We actually have a faith-based view of the Bible. We believe what God says, so we're ready to start building, because there's nothing wrong with the foundation. I'm getting fired up about that now. So you build your life on other things, right? And before long, there's going to be a problem. There's going to be storms. And you know what it says in Matthew 7, 26. The wise man built his house on the sand, or not on the rock, but the... The, the foolish man built his house on the sand. And the winds will come. The storms will blow. It's going to get gnarly. right? So you've got to have your house built on something. Your, your, your principles of discipleship, your elementary education need to be put on top of a good foundation. Now I'm preaching to the choir this, this evening because you're probably saved. But if for, for some reason you wandered in tonight and you're not saved, you must be born again. You need to be saved. I can't help but tell you that because that's the most important thing. For you to know, you need the right foundation. And you might have been in church your whole life. But maybe today is the day of your salvation. Because you need to be in Christ. So, we find salvation in the Word of God, right? We know, many of us know 1 Peter 1.23, a wonderful passage. We are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed. Say it with me. By the Word of God, right? The Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower therefore uh, falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which, the, uh, uh, which by the gospel is preached unto you. This is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. You see, this is an eternal foundation. It is not going anywhere. Jesus is the rock, right, as defined in 1 Corinthians 10.4. He's typified in the Old Testament by Moses, and, and he provided the water of life in a fountain that burst forth when it, the rock was smitten by Moses, representing the weight of the law. And so we sing the old hymn. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name, that rock. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is, is sinking sand. So without the Word of God, those words would be meaningless to us, right? It, it is because of the Word of God we understand that Jesus is the rock of our salvation. It's, the way, it's why we're able to comprehend and cross-reference and figure out what 1 Corinthians 10 is talking about. Because God has given us a book, it's self-defining. I mean, it is solid. It has everything that we need. It's, it is incredible. And our salvation rests firmly upon it. And we understand that he is our rock of salvation. And we understand that He is the chief cornerstone. And I could go on and on. But let's talk about discipleship. Because the foundation of discipleship, of a disciple's faith, is based in the Word of God. The Apostle John recorded in 1 John chapter 1. 
this passage. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, which our eye, with, with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifest, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. 1 John 1 through 3. 1, 1 through 3. Now the Apostle John recorded this, and the Apostles, and even a larger number of disciples, heard, saw, and handled the incarnate Word. They were present. Right? They, they saw the resurrected Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I mean, they have handled the Word. And that's compelling evidence. But Peter, who was counted in that number, right? He was even in the inner three. Peter, James, and John. He was able to handle the Lord, as mentioned in 1 John 1. And that was his testimony. But consider what he said in 2 Peter 1. And this, is, again, is familiar, but I'm going somewhere, so hang with me. 2 Peter 1.16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables... When we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Right? You know the verse. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Of course, speaking about uh, the Mount of Transfiguration. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Verse 19, we have also, we have also, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed as a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scriptures of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You see, what Peter's doing here is he's revealing the authority of the Word of God. Its author is God, not human textual critics, or those who approach the Word of God as a fable. That's where he starts. For those of you that may be here tonight or listening online or what have you, I know, I know I'm, a, I'm a freak. I'm a Bible literalist. I, I don't believe this is a fable. I don't believe it's, it's a conjecture. I believe that God is able to preserve his word. So, so we see the process that God has used since the beginning. His word is inspired, right? It's inspirited, it's spoken, then it's delivered, right? And that's what Peter's saying, is that we have a more sure word of prophecy. You know, Paul mentioned that too. He's like, hey man, it doesn't matter if an angel, I don't care who says what, right? If it's not coming from here, can it? So these guys, they understood that. Obviously, they were the ones that God was using. He inspired them. It was spoken. It was de delivered in written form and then preserved perfectly through the providence of the Holy Ghost and the human instruments that God chose. And we see this. Not just, this isn't just hyperbole, right? So after Moses broke the original Ten Commandments, oh no, we lost the original text. No, God went back up and and, and even made Moses be part of the process of preserving it in stone. And then we know it didn't stay in stone, right? Because it was on the scrolls. God preserved his word. We've got it today in our Bible. Jeremiah spoke to Baruch, right? And he wrote the, and the, and he wrote the scripture. And as he wrote it, it was preserved. We know it. We've got it today in our Bible. But yet it went through a process, didn't it? <clears throat> first, first edition cut up, thrown in the fire. The original got thrown in the river. So how do we got it today? God preserved it. <clears throat> Jesus himself, the word incarnate, came forth sinless, the perfect son of, of God, <clears throat> through the womb of a sinful woman named Mary. How did he do that? Well, he preserved his word perfectly. In 2 Peter, <clears throat> Peter's making sure that the church knew upon his departure that the things being set forth in Scripture by the apostles and the prophets before 
at the end of the first century, were more sure than the physical presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, whom Peter had the privilege of handling. He's like, there's something coming, boys, that you need to remember is more sure than the physical appearance. Now, we look to that glorious day, don't we? Right. Amen. That's our, that's our hope. We look, we, we're waiting for the appearance of our Lord, but until that day, guess what you've got? You've got something to work with, and we're going to go there just a little bit. Just hang with me. <clears throat> because a disciple must have confidence in the Word of God, or they're going to end up confused and beguiled like Eve in the garden. If you don't have assurance, then that's where the devil works, and he always has. You've got to be sure. Now, listen, when I got saved, I was talking to Angelo, right? Talking to Angelo earlier, and he's like, I'm getting his pedigree, you know, trying to figure out where he's from. He's like, man, I wasn't, didn't grow up in church. I'm like, I didn't either. You know, I, I didn't grow up in church. I, I don't understand a lot of your all's testimonies about I got saved at this age, and I was in church, and da-da-da-da. I didn't experience all that. I got saved out of the world, and here I am. And God discipled me through the church. So praise the Lord. But <clears throat> I say all that to say this. What was I going to say about that? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, kind of. All right, so... <laughs> I went to church. Not willingly. Now, this might, that's tomorrow's message, so I've got to save a little of that. But I didn't like church, so I didn't want to go to church. But I went to discipleship. Because that guy believed the Bible. How do I know that? Well, he lived it. He told me about how to be saved. So I got saved. And then after a while, I realized I tried to lead people to Christ, and I realized I didn't know enough, so I'm like, well, maybe he's got something about this going to church business. I need to try this. <clears throat> so I started looking for a church. And... Uh, I went to a church, a missionary, Steve Nunemaker, is preaching the Bible, prodigal son, anointed of God. My girlfriend, who's now my wife, and my sister get saved. I'm like, whoa! Yeah. That's what church is about. I need to be here. Man, I'm like fired up. So the next week, I bring my brother-in-law, who used to be our drug, drug dealer back in the day when I was a little kid. So I'm like, Gerald, man. Sorry, Gerald, if you see this, but it's all true. So I'm like, man, Gerald... <laughs> Gerald, man, he needs to get saved. He needs to get saved. you got to come to this church, man, because when you go to church, people get saved. I mean, I thought it was cool to get saved at school, but, man, you can go to these churches and you really get saved, man. It's awesome. <laughs> now, I, I, so then the regular preacher's there. And, and my brother-in-law's like, and I'm like, man, and I'm like waiting. I'm waiting. Like, when's he going to say something that just grabs hold of us? And it never came. He's a good guy, I'm sure. So finally, my discipler goes, hey, Brian, why don't you come to church with us? And this guy's actually a very strong-willed type A guy that led me to the Lord, but he was so gracious with me because he knew we were going to butt heads if he pushed too hard. And so he just gently encouraged me. So we go to church, and we go on this gymnasium, just open, smell the carpet, you know, formaldehyde you know so and we sit we sit down and we're in these little folding chairs and this guy gets up and he starts preaching and he says and you know turn to your bibles first john chapter one and verse one is starting the bible in the first john one one what a perfect place for a new christian right and so he it's the first sunday and this guy gets up and he's he's preaching you know and he's going and he's ripping his tie off his, you know i mean he's just getting going i'm like whoa and you ever see that Max L commercial, man? My hair is like going... <laughs> I may be in blue jeans and a t-shirt, but this is awesome. The only problem was, I'm like, what is he talking about? I, I, I mean, all I... He's saying... Well, I'll tell you what he kept saying. I mean, he kept saying... Um, I know the verse, but I'm afraid to quote it because my brain is racing. So I'm going to quote it right. He kept saying stuff like, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, which our eyes, uh, which, uh, which have looked upon and our hands have handled uh, the word of life. And I'm like, man, mine says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. <laughs> Where's he at? He keeps saying, John, first John. And so I'm just sitting there, you know, and I'm like looking around. I'm like, 
that is awesome. Whatever this guy's saying, I'm into it. But I can't figure out where it's at in the book. I'm not making this stuff up. I tell people all the time, listen, and I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not embellishing. When I got saved, beloved, I didn't know the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. I didn't know, okay, oh, that's before Jesus, that's after Jesus. I didn't believe that Jesus, until I got saved, I didn't even believe Jesus was a, a real, I thought he was a person, I didn't think he was God. But then I get saved, I'm like, what's Old Testament, New Testament, First John? So about, I mean, like three quarters of the way, I look over, Sherry's over there, and I, I notice that, like, she's got more Bible flipped over, she's almost to the back, and I'm like... You know, there's like 10 minutes left in the sermon. I'm like, yes! I found it! Search for it as hidden treasure, man. That's what I'm just like... <laughs> you know, we got to have some confidence in the Word of God. The man that was preaching handled the Word. The people in the pew were handling the word. When they said, hey, go here, go there, they knew where to go. I'd never seen anything like it. Everybody had a Bible. And they knew where to go. This is before search buttons. I mean, they actually had to know where to go. The disciple must have confidence in the word of God or they're going to end up confused and beguiled. If you don't have confidence in the word of God, you have no business discipling. And it's not just confidence, right? Like, oh, I've got confidence in myself. You've got to know where to go. And that's why we train. <clears throat> Pastors. What if we find... <clears throat> what we'll find... Uh, what we'll find out... What am I trying to say here? What we're going to find, okay, if we don't hold a faith-based view of the Scripture... What's going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen. When the giants come, people are going to run. That's what's going to happen. It starts with the pastors. It starts with the parents. It starts with the disciplers. Now, I'll, tell you, I'll be the first to tell you, I don't want anyone to have a conviction because I have it. I want them to have it because it's true. And so I give people grace, right? You've got to give people grace to work this out. Because you do have to meet people where they're at. And that's why you've got to have confidence in the Bible, because you've got to be able to show people. You've got to be able to rightly divide the word. You've got to be able to reveal to people why you really believe what you believe. And you know, for those of you that have been through discipleship, you think, man, I got this down. But it's not really till you teach it that you really start getting it down. And then that confidence will start coming. And you've got to enter into that by faith. Because it's a big step. You're like, man, I don't know if I can teach. You can with the aid of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will teach you all things whatsoever he said to you. So where's our confidence? It needs to be in the Lord. Okay, I've got to keep moving. So John was the last apostle to die. He gives us the, the purpose of the scripture. And in, in John chapter 20 and verse 30, he says this, And many other things truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, why? That you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. He's given us what's written that we might believe, that we might walk by faith, and that believing you might have life through his name. The word of God has been written that men might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and have life through his name. So the word is settled in heaven. God published his word so men can know Jesus, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Right? John 14, 6. That's why God has given us his book. That's why God has given us life, so we can transfer it. That is what discipleship's all about. So John mentioned that not everything that Jesus did was recorded in Scripture, right? You know that, John chapter 21, verse 24. This, is, this disciple which testifies of these things and wrote these things and know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written, everyone, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. So John the Apostle says, listen, you don't have everything that Jesus did. He's God. He's eternal. We don't have enough paper to write all that down. So what you do have is what God wants you to have. 
And he's given you what you need to have and he wants you to have so you can have confidence so that you can take the life that you have and transfer it to others. Because the more you read this book, the more you examine this thing, the reason that God gave the scripture to the apostles was so that we could get it. And the reason that God has given us the scripture, the word of God, is so that we could give it. And the reason that God has given you, whoever I'm talking to, the word is so that you could give it. See, that's how it works. You've been given the word to give the word. And that's what we do. That's what discipleship's all about. So the word of God authenticates our faith. So we find Jesus in the word. Jesus directed people to the scriptures to confirm that he was the incarnate Christ. In John 5, 39 through 40, he says, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. You're looking for Jesus. We'll look in the scripture. And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. You're born again by the word of God. There is no other way. Right? The old Negro spiritual. So high you can't get over it. So wide you can't get around it. So low you can't get under it. You gotta go in at the door. You gotta go in at the door. We find our faith in the Word of God. Our faith is in the Word of God, I'm sorry. If we do not have faith in the written Word of God, we don't have faith in the incarnate Word of God. Because Romans 10 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. So without the Word of God, we, we don't have saving faith. Because 1 John 5, 13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And do you know some of these things are latent? What do you mean by that? Well, you know I memorized 1 John 5, 13 in my discipleship process. I had all the confidence of the world the first six to nine months of my salvation. I mean, God gave me this bubble of grace. And I mean, I'm just saved. I, you know why? Because I felt saved. My life was changed. My attitude was changed. God was blessing me. You know, every stoplight turned green when I went through it. You know, <laughs> you know it was just awesome. But then I got tangled up at school with this JW, Jehovah Witness. And you know, because I know everything now, because I've been through D1. And I've been to some Monday night Bible studies. I know my Bible. I haven't read Greg Axe's, or was Bob Alexander's. I read somebody's little pre-published book on JW. So I am an authority on the, J, on the Jehovah Witness. So we get the showdown at the OK Corral. Man, and we go over to, the, we go over to the, me and uh, Danny Stogsdale. So me and Danny, we meet at the Mid-Continent Public Library. <clears throat> We're going to see who knows their Bible. Well, Danny just ran me around the horn, I'm telling you. <laughs> and it was the grace of God. Thank goodness my, my girlfriend, who's now my wife Amy, was with me. She's like, hey. Oh, yeah. So I finally, you know, I got out of there with my skin. But I frankly walked away going, I thought I knew, I thought I had the truth. How can someone have that much confidence and know that much stuff and be wrong? Anybody ever been there? So what did I have to do? Well, I went back to church. A guy named Mel Sabaka's preaching. You know, he's just preaching away, you know. And that normally does it for me. But it didn't do it for me this time. I had these clouds of doubt. Now all of a sudden, I'm not just wondering. I'm just, everything's just questioned. I'm like, man, you know, this is plaguing me. My best friend goes for gets saved, and I'm still in a cloud of doubt. I'm just like, man. So I go to Dale Moline. I was like, Dale. He was over discipleship. I'm like, Dale, bro, I'm telling you, I'm jacked up, bro. I'm having some issues here. I don't know what to do. He says, take two aspirin. Call me in the morning. No, he didn't do that. <laughs> no, he says... Uh, you're all right, buddy. <laughs> Love you, Dale. That didn't do it either. So what did I do? What did I do? What did... Oh, yeah, discipleship one. So I went back to salvation, eternal security. Oh, I did that. I mean, I did that nine months ago. That was old. So I went back to lesson one, lesson, and I guess, guess what I came across? And these things I've written unto you, Brian. 
unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Why? That you may know that you have eternal life, because I knew you were coming to this day. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. I wrote this to those that believe so that they know they'd believe. I'm telling you, beloved, the Word of God set me free just like that. Because why? It was a personal thing. I actually got tangled up in some real spiritual warfare for just a moment. And the grace of God, man, pulled me out by the Word. It took the Word. The preacher couldn't do it. The discipleship pastor couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. But you know what? That simple little verse from our D1 lesson gave me confidence. It reassured me of what I'd been assured of. And what's so awesome about that is before that time, if you ask me, or you say, I know I got saved, man, because I, well, I could give you a long list of reasons. The sky opened up, you know, I mean, it was just awesome. I mean, the day I got saved was dramatic. Some people get saved, they have a, you know, and it's just not. My salvation was radical. I mean, it was. But you don't have to have that experience. But I was questioning what my experience. And it was good. And I'm glad I had it. But God matured me. See, Brian, your confidence isn't in your experience because that feeling is going to go away. I'm going to give you something better than how you feel. Hey, I'm going to give you faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, beloved. That's right. And I've got to get moving. So we find our inheritance in the Word of God. And if, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. Because it shall be revealed by fire. You're going to be tested. If you're in discipleship one, you're going to get tested. And the fire shall try every man's work or what sort it is. Now, I'm not just talking to the disciple. I'm talking to the discipler. Right? We're going to be purged, aren't we? We talked about it last night. I've got to keep going. So we find our assurance, right? It's in the Word of God. The last thing the world, the flesh, and the devil want you to do is have the assurance of your salvation. That's the last thing they want. And I tell you what, this is why Satan's been working to mix works into salvation in the New Testament since the 3rd century, right? Well, even before that. And that's why many modern Bible versions will remove Acts 8.37 altogether. It's not because it's not found in the Greek manuscripts any more than... You can't find 1 John uh, 5.7. Right? It's in 15 different manuscripts, Syriac, Aramaic, Old Latin, and then some Greek manuscripts as you get closer to the mid-dark ages. But the, well, the press is... Oh, you can't... You don't, those weren't in the original manuscripts. What do you know? Okay, so... When the Word of God is the authority in your life, it brings stability and adds assurance to our faith so we can build upon the foundation of Christ. Can somebody send Andy Stanley the memo? I don't know that I should have said that, Andy, but whatever. You can come up to Harrisonville and we can visit. All right, so <laughs> this works out for us the same way it did with Thomas, though, in John chapter 20. And I don't have time to read it, so I'm just going to... You go back and write down John 20, uh, verses uh, 27 through 28. But what happened to Thomas, right? He had a crisis of faith. Yeah. Why? Because he got funky yeah. emotionally. Yeah. There's a lot of discussion about our emotions and all this stuff. Hey, listen, you know what solved his funk? What solved his funk was showing up to church on Sunday night yeah. and meeting Jesus. He stuck his fingers in, in his hands in the Word of God. Now, why did God give us a book, beloved? I'm telling you, because just like in my funk, what did I have to do? I had to stick my hand in the Word of God. I had to open it up. I had to look at 1 John 5, 17. I had to look at this thing and put my hands in it. And behold, the Word. And guess what? I was restored. And so are you. And so are our disciples. The counsel to the Laodicean church in Revelation 3.18 is to buy of Jesus gold, silver, tried in the fire, raiment, ISAV, you know the, the verse in Revelation 3.18. We're also admonished to come and sup with Jesus. Time with Jesus, with his people, sticking our fingers in the word of God, develops our faith in our foundation, just as it did for Thomas. Just as it did for Thomas. 
Does that mean I'm over by seven minutes? Tell me, Joe. Oh, okay. That's not, it's in red. So in my church, when it's red, they got this thing. It's like, stop. <laughs> I can pull this in in time, brother. We're fine. All right. All right. So the foundation of our faith, right? What does it do? It provides stability and authenticates. The, <clears throat> the foundation, the Word of God, provides stability and authenticates our faith. But the food for our soul is also found in the Word of God. Now, this stuff you know. It's in our discipleship lessons, isn't it? The Word is our strength. You know, Jesus went 40 days fasting and was completely spent. He needed angels to come minister to him, Matthew 4.11. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, the angels came and ministered unto him. Gandhi survived 21 days with no food and just a little water. If you fast more than three days, you're going to feel it. Now, if, if you fast, think about that. This is practical. You fast for three days, and you're physically going to feel it. I mean, you can go a day, and it really, if you, after you get through the initial hunger pain, you really, actually, I feel better. But, but three days, you're going to know it. Now, think about how it goes when you skip the word for a week. What do you think is going on in there? You think the Holy Ghost doesn't feel it? We're supposed to be truly furnished unto all good works? Well, man, we're not going to be feeling like doing much good work because we're not furnished. Just as food is fuel for the body, the Word of God is fuel for our soul. Now, we know that in our lesson number 5, Job twenty-three twelve, we quote that. Neither have I gone back from thy commandment of thy lips. I have esteemed thy words of thy mouth more than my necessary food. So Job's saying, I'll skip food before I skip out on God's word. Now, I don't expect a young disciple to have that attitude, frankly. But you know what's interesting? When I was a young Christian, and just like many of you, once you get saved, you have a natural desire. We talked about this morning. It was a great session. By the way, you need to come in the morning if you can. It, is, it was tremendous this morning. The administration and the teaching of the discipleship uh, philosophy. It was really good. Uh, excellent. Probably better than what I'm doing tonight. So you really need to get down there. All right, so what do you got to do with the baby, though? You got to give him milk. Joe pointed that out. Not strong meat. All right, you don't need to run them through your dispensational chart the first week they get saved. <laughs> now, I'll tell you the truth. I got saved by contemplating the second coming of Christ. It was actually the second coming of Christ, Revelation 19, that made me bow my knee and confess with my mouth because I had never seen Jesus return. And then when I saw that, I actually believed because I said, I could see why he's angry and I could see why he's angry with me because I'm a knucklehead. But even understanding that wasn't really pertinent once I got saved. You know what I needed was the milk, the milk. And by the way, Paul preached that, right? Even in Acts 17, he says, hey, he's coming in judgment. Don't leave that out of your gospel presentation. That sometimes is the clincher for some of them old crusty sinners like I was. So if you're like me, though, sometimes you get distracted, right? You can't get in the Word of God. But if you're making disciples, you've got to be getting in the Word of God. It's a focus. It's a priority. Why? Because it is for you, but it's also for those that you're going to be feeding. I'm not going to be any good to y'all tonight if I'm not putting in voluminous amounts of God's Word and meditating on it, and thinking about it, and praying over it. I'm no use to you, because you don't want to hear what i got to say anyway. We've got to have the Word of God. Same thing with our discipleships. Uh, you know, we really need to be getting some time in those lessons. Not just going through the bullet points because you know them, but go back and review your verses. Meditate on them, right? Because it's, it's been a while since your last discipler. It's been a while since you've gotten in the books. Go back and refresh yourself. Even us guys that are preachers, right? I, I, I'm guilty of this. That's why I'm talking about it, because I sometimes neglect that, because I know it all. Oh, no, I don't. That's right. We heard that in the testimony. We don't know it all. God has to remind us. That's why he repeats stuff over and over, because we've got to go back and refresh ourselves. Why? So that the Word of God is fresh to those babies. Right? We've got to break that concept down and go, oh, yeah, how do I not just rightly divide that thing, but how do I rightly apply that thing? 
Because I've got to get this down where people can get a hold of it. Because you've got to get it simple. And I'm not always good at that. So maybe you are. That's cool. I've got to work at that. Because I like to look at things in the big macro. But I've got to get, I'm like, oh, I've got to break this down where they can get a hold of it. So make sure we're doing that. Because we've got to feed people's souls. Say, well, some days, Brian, I, I'm not afforded 60 or 90 minutes before I go to work to get in the Word of God. What do I do then? You know what's awesome? God has snack bars, too. He does. I tell everybody, man, if you don't have time to digest your daily reading, if you don't have, by the way, if you don't have a reading plan of some sort, you need to get on one. But, it, but outside of that, say that's broken, that's busted, right? Don't let it ruin your week and don't get in a funk. Grab a granola. It's in Proverbs, man. Grab that proverb for the day. I don't care if you're sitting on the toilet. Read it. Pray over it. God's going to give you something. But don't forsake the Word of God. We need the Word of God. Listen, some days that's just how it goes. In 1 Samuel 14 and verse 27, you remember what happened with Jonathan, right? Jonathan's over there and his dad's a knucklehead. He's like, we got to fast. we got to money and brings him to life. And the Word of God's powerful. We have to be balanced and pace ourselves. We don't need anyone choking on red meat, right? It's the milk. Milk's always good, even at an older spiritual age. You know what ice cream's made out of? <laughs> I like that stuff. I'll take a little milk all the time. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. But we're growing them to a place where they can eat some hot dogs, right? where they can cut up their own hot dogs. They can start putting it. Someday they're going to make a meal. They're going to bust open the Bible barbecue, and they're going to get it going on. That's what I told Angelo. You're the next speaker, so get ready. First Peter 2.2, 2, As a newborn babe desires the sincere milk of the word, that he may grow thereby. The, a newborn babe is going to desire the sincere milk. So don't give him stale milk. You. One time my niece was over at the house, and I was in, in my early 20s, and I had babysit a lot, me and my wife, and I had these, when you get married, you can buy stuff. This was awesome, so I got these donuts. I always wanted sugar donuts, those little white powder donuts. When I lived at home, I never could get them, right? So now that I'm in my, in my early 20s, I can buy my powder donuts. The problem is now I don't care because I, I can buy them. So they laid on the counter and got moldy, but you couldn't tell because they're white and powdery. You know where this is going. I don't know that I should confess this because Gerald might watch it. And so, yeah, that's what happened. Alyssa, my niece, she sees the white powdery donuts and she wants, I'm a good uncle, I want to give her the white powdery donuts because I love her. And she gets it in her mouth, she's like, eh, hey, this is taste right. And you know, she's like doing this thing and there's green. I'm like, oh my gosh. What kind of uncle am I? Not a good one. <laughs> and don't let the bread get moldy. You know, Exodus, that's what, hey, get that man off the ground. You don't want to be, you don't want to be feeding a moldy manna. Sour milk. If it's not fresh in my life, do you think it's going to be fresh in their life? I bet there's some people in my life at times that have sampled the, the discipleship in my life and go, that stinks a little bit. What is wrong with that? We need to keep it fresh, man. Keep it clean. Keep it clean. Not for your sake, for others' sakes. Because you that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not please yourself. Because you are mature, aren't you? Or are we? There comes a day when milk is supplemented, and it's not the main course. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So, there comes a day when you've got to move along. I tell you, there was a... This is a Sad story. You guys, I don't even, you're going to never invite me back. You hear all this personal stuff about me, but we adopted our son, and, and uh, the doctor said, keep him on, put him on formula. We did the formula thing, and 
she didn't tell us he was supposed to eat green beans and, you know, crushed up. So he's like, we're feeding him every two hours. It's like, man, this kid is hungry. We go back to the pediatrician, and she's like, well, is he eating soft foods yet? And we're like, well, no, you told us to feed. And she's like, well, he's going to starve to death. I'm like, well, no wonder the kid's hungry all the time. That's how dumb I am. My son was starving to death. Not really starving to death. He was eating a bottle of formula like every two hours. Why? Because it was to the point that it was time to get rid of the milk. And start introducing, right, the lap of sauce, little this, little that. You know, we just didn't know. You guys are in churches. And you're getting the dope. You're getting the good stuff. You're going to know how to disciple people. You're going to know how to take them from point A to point B to point C to point D. And what you can't figure out, the Holy Ghost is going to aid you in. It's important. The local church's biblical discipleship process is designed to provide a proper diet and exercise. If your pastor is here tonight, if you're a pastor, I'm sorry, tonight, you're not providing your congregation with a biblical context and structure for discipleship, that's why we're having the conference. Because there's little things along the way that you just got to do to help your people be good disciplers so that they know how to transition them from the milk to the meat, right? And so that's why we have a process. And it goes outside of four goals. We got that inside of seven stages. And in our church, we got an eighth stage, which is new beginnings. And so, I mean, it's a process that God gives us. Lesson five of discipleship. We even talk about this very thing about the food groups and all the different things that are provided in the Word of God. But man is good for a season. We've got to get on it. Lastly, I've got to keep moving because we're about done. So the, the foundation of your faith is the Word of God. The food for our souls is the Word of God and the focus of the heart. And this is where I need to wrap up and I'll be quick. The battle, ultimately, for our disciples is for the heart. And it is fierce. You know what the devil wants to do to your disciple? Same thing he wants to do to you. He wants to poison you. You know what happened when I met with Donnie, Danny Stogsdale? I got poisoned. I got food poisoning. It made me sick. My heart got sick. My head got sick. My emotions got sick. And I had to go back to the Word and get the prescription to fix it. And there's a battle for the heart. The decision to focus on the heart is ultimately ours. When the word is our focus, we'll meditate on God's word. That's why Psalm 119.97 says, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. It's a decision. When the word of God's our focus, we'll hate what God hates. I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. Psalm 119.113. I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. Psalm 119.63. When the word of God is our focus, we will keep that which God wants us to keep. But whosoever keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. 1 John 2, 5. So the mature Christian and the discipler is one who does not need some new, new thing to study, but meditates deeply upon God's word so the Holy Ghost can reveal even deeper understanding of the depth of God's mind and heart. We talked about that today at a meeting. We're going deeper. The mature Christian needs to go deeper. Yes, you will learn more information, but the desire to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection, that doesn't come from the head alone. That comes from the heart. The worship, like we talked about yesterday, that comes from the heart. And that brings me full circle, and we're done. The Joshua 1.8. This book, the law, shall not depart out of thy mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein, then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. When we make disciples, it's not a program. It's not an activity to grow the church, though those things can grow the church. Through investing in the word of God and the souls of men, the church grows. So do we desire the things that God desires like Joshua and Caleb did? Do we have a heart for his word? If you love God, you will love people. And you'll give your life for them. It may be your spouse, your children, your neighbor, the person you're discipling. But you're going to give your life. Do what Joshua did. 
Keep the word with your mouth. Meditate upon it with your mind and your heart. And observe to do that which God says to do. That's your ministry. Attempt to do all that is written concerning your call. Then he'll, he'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. And some of you today may be coming to it from a place where the next step for you is simply not to let a word fall to the ground. Because you're coming from a place where the word of God's not been your authority, and your life is about everything that you want to do and what's right in your own eyes. If you want to see that turned around, collect the Word of God and submit to the Word of God. Make the Word of God your authority, and He will revolutionize your life and the lives of everybody He puts you in contact with. Heavenly Father, we thank You and praise You for this opportunity to talk about this incredible uh, Word of God that we have or that You've given us. It's the authority of our life. It's the foundation. It's the food. It's the focus of our heart. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray... Lord, that we would not let a word fall to the ground. Lord, and I pray that would be the desire of our heart because we believe and we know the word is precious. It's been given to us. It is our foundation. It is our confidence. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray today that we would be faithful stewards of what you've given us. And Lord, that we would faithfully distribute it to those that you've entrusted to our care. With heads bowed and eyes closed. Tonight, man, maybe you're in a place where you've just taken the word of God lightly. And you're like, Brian, I just need to repent. Maybe you're in a place where you've let fear eclipse your faith. Maybe you're in a place where you're running from giants instead of doing the things necessary to face giants and conquer them. Let's stand together. I know it's, you've been sitting a long time. Let's just stand in an attitude of prayer. If you just want to renew your commitment tonight or, or you say, Brian, I just need some prayer, just, just raise your hand right where you are. I want to pray with you out loud and proud. Just, just show your hand. You say, Brian, I just, God, amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, I just pray for these with raised hands, Lord. They're raising their hand to you. There's a need there. There's a, a point in their life. There's something that is going on that, Lord, you're convicting them about regarding the word of God the authority of the Word of God in our lives, our attitude toward the Word of God, the, the, the way that we are interacting with the Word of God. Oh, Heavenly Father, may we be pure. May we be holy as you're holy. Lord, may you work in and through our lives so that we can reproduce supernatural fruit that brings honor and glory to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And I love what Sam says so often about how he doesn't say things like that. How rich we are. To, to be able to fellowship together and to, to come together as believers and to, you know, tonight, I don't know, there's, I, was, I wrote it down, six or eight churches represented up here, different places, different parts of the country to come together in a fellowship. Why? We have a common book. That's our authority. That's, that's the key. That's the thing. And uh, I think because of that, God has great things uh, to do in and through us, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do. Amen? I appreciate so much you being here tonight. I appreciate you coming out on a Monday night. I know it's a, a big commitment. Uh, but uh, God will honor that commitment. I know it's tough for those of you that are local to get off work and to, to, if you're in Atlanta, to get out of that mess and get here is nigh into impossible. Thank you for putting in the effort. Uh, God will bless that. I believe it. If there's any way possible, uh, get here tomorrow morning. Between 9 and noon, we'll meet at 8.30 and have a, a light breakfast. And uh, then at... Uh, at 9, we'll have a heavy teaching of the Word of God. Amen. Uh, Gary's going to come and teach uh, the philosophy of discipleship, and then Jeff's going to take us through the pattern. There is a biblical way to do this thing. God laid it out very clearly in His Word. And so come tomorrow morning and, and, and hear that and be a part of that and, and walk through that with us. Uh, I encourage you uh, to do that, okay?
Anybody a little tired? Yeah, you can get a little tired, can't you? A little weary. Yeah, it's worthy, though. Uh, it's a good tired, right? And so I encourage you to, to be here tomorrow, be a part of what's going on. Don't miss tomorrow night. 5.30 we'll eat, and then we'll, we'll meet again at 6.30 and talk about being established in the local church, okay? God bless you. Have a great evening.